everybody. Welcome to episode four of Coaster Dads. I'm your host, Chris Powers, with my co-host, Eric. And on this episode, we're going to jump into Shanghai Disneyland reopening, our personal most overrated coaster list. And we'll also be celebrating Mom's Day just a little bit. All that and more on episode four of Coaster Dads. Let's get to the drop. This is the drop. The biggest bit of news this week, Shanghai Disneyland has officially reopened to guests, albeit with a much smaller capacity than it's normally operating at. Around 30% of its normal capacity as it welcomes guests back into uh, the park with with the intention to add about 5,000 more guests every single week that they're open. Um, so pretty big news in the parks world. Uh Everybody's sort of watching what Shanghai and Disneyland is doing in order to open the parks here in the U.S. So it's kind of a big trial run as they're trying to figure out exactly what they're doing in reaction to COVID. A few videos have kind of popped up online of what it's like to visit Shanghai Disneyland now that it's reopened. And it's a very different experience. Uh, But so far, it sounds like um, everything has run smoothly and they are operating at just a limited capacity. And and so far, so good. Mm. Yeah, no, it's like a, um, it's pretty interesting. I like don't think that they should be open at all, but I think China's kind of covering up the whole coronavirus thing at this point. So I'm sure that it's like, I don't know, they're open way too early, but you know, it's like, if it's a chance to make money, it's a chance to make money. Let's just put our whole country at risk. Yeah, I, I don't think that is a... I, I'm not sure if that's a foreshadowing for what's going to happen in the United States, unfortunately. I don't think that we will um, open under even restrictions for quite some time still. Um, in my mind, just of like, maybe this is still like part of my G my GP line. Um, but I, I can't see amusement parks opening up uh, any sooner than like... Um, like an NBA game played with a crowd, with a crowd. Uh, it's in my mind, it's the last one of the last things to open up, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think it would be very, very difficult. I think for any of the parks to reopen under the current guidelines. I think it sounds like things are going to start to loosen a little bit here in the next um, month, like towards the end of May and then into June. So who knows? I know sports have kind of proposed a lot of things around potentially empty stadiums, empty arenas. I know NBA games right now are suspended and and they've kind of looked at possibly coming back on empty arenas. Um, and then I'm a big fan of baseball. I know baseball's proposed empty empty stadiums with a half half the season. So um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see. Um, if the parks are able to come back in June, uh, maybe July, um, and start to see those things open up. Um, I did see Disney is actually taking reservations now at their resorts for July 1st, I believe. Um, so potentially, maybe that's a sign, too, that they they could be slowly reopening Disney World. Totally. Totally. The only other major news is... Uh, Pretty much every single chain of parks has now announced officially that there will be capital spending cuts. Cedar Fair officially announced it at their quarterly meetings um, it, that they'd be slashing some money from the budget. I think eighty to one hundred million dollars. I think over the next year, um, 
and then with the expectation that that would continue until the next year i believe um i with uh SeaWorld, they've already announced um some projects are put on hold slash delayed indefinitely. And then Disney's already started to cut projects entirely from their budgets as well. So, uh, you know, COVID's impact is, is big. Uh, so we're probably not going to see major rides installed here in the next little bit. Um, which is kind of a bummer. Um, so maybe, you know, Orion is kind of like the last major coaster, uh, to go in for a little bit. (laughs) I know. I know they got it in under the wire. Under the wire in both completing it and under the wire as far as how tall it is. Exactly. So we'll have to be on the lookout for more information on where the capital spending cuts are actually going to go. But until then, it's time for me and Eric's hot takes. Hot takes. Get your hot takes. Hot takes, where we say controversial things about the theme park industry, like it or not. With that being said, get your big boy pants on as we discuss... None other than our most overrated coasters. Um, This should be a blast. Let's get into it. Roll around with, uh, I know you feel pretty strongly about this. Uh, I can already guess what probably three of your five are, but let's uh, go alternating. uh, Let's go alternating order um, five through one and um, give us a little brief explanation as to why you think it's overrated. All right, so my number five, I think, is going to be a bit of a controversial controversial pick. Um, I had a really hard... Steel Vengeance. <laughs> no, I, I love Steel Vengeance. It's an incredible ride. Okay. Um, the, this one is a ride I had a really hard time putting on my list because I love it so much. Um, it's, it's actually my number one wood coaster, um, but I recognize by today's... Um, modern technology and the way it runs and what it is, um, it's probably it's probably overrated. Um, and that ride is the Beast. Um, and like I said, I love the Beast. It is my sentimental number one wood coaster in the world. I think it is an incredible ride. I think it was super unique, groundbreaking, wonderful ride. I worked that ride when I worked at Kings Island, so I have a lot of connection to that ride over the years um i drove that ride quite a bit when i was working there so it's a ride i love um but i also recognize that from a pure ride experience it is not as good as potentially like say the voyage or even maybe rustic timbers right down the the street from it um right down the the midway from it so you know i i recognize that i also think it has one of the best finales of any ride on the planet and um, it, it's just a really unique ride. And so I think that's why it still holds a lot of value in people's hearts. And people love that ride. Um, I still love that ride. I ride it every single time I'm there. And I, I think it's a blast. Um, but I also recognize that, you know, Mystic Timbers and GCIs and, and what Gravity Group's done is, is mm-hmm. probably superior, you know. So hurt you a little but it is the truth it is um it is um we're gonna hear a little bit more about that ride at some point in this list um 
All right, that brings me over to my number five. Um, this is not a single coaster, but a whole class of them. I have it at number five, all B&M inverted coasters. Um, <laughs> so not just one. They're all super overrated. I feel almost nothing when I ride each one, unless it's raining, and then I feel the raindrops hitting my face. I cannot tell you how boring i find all of these coasters even when you're going for i don't like not being able to see what elements coming up um i i don't really think that it's fun or like exciting um to not know i think it's more just like too wild um i find these rides to be super intense but not necessarily thrilling just intense um and i like b&ms um but this is not one of the models that i would pick to ride i will ride these at any park to add the cred but i will not choose to ride these guys so that is a pretty solid number five it's funny you mention that they are intense not necessarily thrilling um which i think is something i really like about inverts um me and eric disagree on this and we talk about it a lot because i um i i love inverted coasters i think they're so fun um and yeah so it's it's really funny and i i knew this one was coming for sure so uh my number 4 um is um a ride uh that again i think is a really good ride um i don't think any of the rides on my list are bad rides um but this ride i think compared to some of its other um Similar rides, I just don't understand the hype behind, and that's Mako at SeaWorld. Uh, Mako is a pretty young ride. I think it's only, what, three, four years old. Um, Mako is is really fun. It's a it's a really great hyper coaster for B&M. Um, I think the only problem I have with Mako is it's, I feel like its layout is pretty standard and pretty... Um, I, there's just not as much in it as I probably... I would love to see um, like as far as like just originality. So it's pretty much just airtime Hills. Like that's pretty much it. It's a lot of floater air. Um, it's around like a, the, their kind of lake setting right there on sea roll, which is cool. But um, yeah, it's just like the, the coolest, I would say the coolest element and they use this in a lot of the advertising is um, it, it kind of dies down by the like main water inlet area that SeaWorld surrounds the like lake that SeaWorld surrounds. Um, and that element is definitely the coolest part of the ride. Um, as far as like visually and, and just most interesting, it probably feels the most different. Um, but yeah, overall it's just like compared to diamondback or, um, you know, I think of uh, Goliath at six flags over Georgia. Like there's a lot of them that I think are just slightly better rides, um, than Mako. And so I, it's always surprising to me that Mako ranks that highly. Cause I just, uh, I got four rides on it when I was there and I just, I came away kind of underwhelmed. It's again, awesome ride, beautiful setting, great theming around it. Um, really cool ride. It's unique for Florida. I mean, it's, it's a good ride. It's just overrated. Um, okay. Well, so my, um, number five or my number four, um, I'm staying in the B and M realm and I'm just going with a single one. Um, this ride isn't really highly praised to begin with, but I'm just think it's even overrated at average. Um, I have gatekeeper at, uh, Cedar point at number four. Um, it's un 
it's very pretty. Let's start with saying it's a very pretty looking ride. Love, love the entrance to the park. It's just a glorified entrance in my mind. That's a gatekeeper is it's a glorified entrance. Um, really pretty on the water, but horribly, um, horribly unthrilling. And I'm just like, I would rather watch my friends ride gatekeeper while I drink a Coke sitting on a bench than ride gatekeeper. So then again, but then again, it's like not the worst ride at the park. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of wing coasters in general. Um, I mentioned it, I think on our last, last podcast when we were doing our most underrated rides, but like gatekeeper along with, pretty much every other wing I've been on it just yeah. pretty forceless kind of boring rides. Um, I think it's cause they're so big that they're just kind of forceless. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. Gatekeeper, uh, gorgeous to look at boring to ride. So the next one on my list, um, is a very beloved ride. Um, so I recognize that. I also think it's one of the most thrilling rides probably on the planet. Um, in fact, thrill is in its name. Top thrill dragster is my number three. Um, I think this ride is so awesome. So fun. My biggest problem with top thrill. And I think this probably speaks to a lot of folks is it's so short compared to, I think the buildup and the weight for it. And, um, just everything about it kind of leads kind of anticlimatically to this point where you're like, Oh, you know, it's over really fast. Um, the launch is incredible. Um, I think it delivers everything you expect it to feel like whenever you're getting launched that fast at that high of a speed. Um, it just for me personally, um, just, I just wish there was another, you know, three to 4,000 feet of track. I think after the big, the big top hat element. So anyway, I think that's always been my dream. I, I, again, I do like top throw a lot, but I just have always felt like I didn't really understand why it ranks so highly when it was like barely 30 seconds long. If that. Yeah, totally. That's a hot take for sure. I love dragster. I think it's so fun. I'm a sucker for a dragster. I think it's like one of the most thrilling rides in the world. I think it's so fun. Um, so I disagree with you. Terrible take. So, but I will say, um, I will put another Cedar Point ride at number three. Um, I, and you you probably have this on the list too. A lot of Ohio rides today, but, um, I have millennium, you know, it's like a, maybe something that surprises nobody and probably something that you have higher on your list, but it is like a, I'll let you probably do the explaining. I'm just banking fully that you have that as number one or two. I mean, but I, I'm ha- I, I think it's really fun and I think it's historic and great. Um, it's just other than the first drop after the first drop, I don't really get a ton out of it. Um, but I like have to ride it if I'm there, you know, it's like, if you're there and you don't ride millennium, then screw you like ride it. And like, you can complain, but it's like, you should ride it. It's, it's just for like the say in it. So that's my number three. Nothing against it, but it's a little overrated. Yeah, uh, I will talk a little bit more about Millennium here in a little bit. So my number two, um, another B&M hypercoaster. 
this is actually the original B&M Hypercoaster, I believe. So uh, I went in with really high expectations for this ride when I went to go ride it because it ranks so highly on so many lists. And I was like very excited about it. Um, and that is Apollo's Chariot at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg. And again, beautiful setting for a ride. Gorgeous to look at. I, it, Apollo's is like one of the first rides you actually see when you're like kind of pulling into the park and stuff. Um, and it's really, it's really cool to look at and has an incredible turnaround on the back end of it. Um, it's like a helix turnaround, which they don't really do that much on B&Ms anymore. Um, so just a really, really cool element. Um, however, it is, I just like found it to be pretty underwhelming in comparison to a lot of other B&M hypers that are now um, out there. So, yeah, you know, I really wanted to love this ride. Again, it, that park is incredible. I, I love Busch Gardens Williamsburg. I just expected Apollos to just wipe the floor with every other ride there. And for me, I actually don't even know if it would rank in my top three there on the day. So, yeah, I, you know, it's cool. It's a cool ride. I mean, Fabio got hit in the face with a bird on this ride. So it's like pretty unique in that fact. Um, but Overall, I think Apollo's for me was just a little, little underwhelming. Um, and I, again, I got a lot of rides on it. I think I got four rides and I came away with the same feeling every time. It's just wishing it was yeah. a little better. No, I hear you. Um, I, I have never gotten the chance, but now I will be a forever tainted getting on it. So thank you for that. Well, <laughs> you're probably going to have a better experience now that I've lowered your expectations for it. Yeah. I'm going to be like, wow, this is going to suck. Um, exactly. Um, well, I, um, for me, my number two is something you've already talked about, so I'm not going to go into detail, but the beast is number two for me. I literally only liked the beast when I was a kid. I like grew growing up. I couldn't tell you, like, I've always had, like, I love the second drop going into the tunnel. It's like the best part of the ride, but other than that, it's so long and it's like, it's like one of the only rides that I can possibly think of where you're like thinking about other things by the end of the ride. It's like, you're just like, Oh, I've been, I'm still on this. So it's like, I'm no longer in like the blinding thrill. I'm now like thinking about like funny scenarios of like, Oh, like I wonder like what I'm having for lunch after this. And it's like, why do I have time to think about that? It's because I'm going up my second chain lift. That is, that is exactly why and it's it's a really slow chain lift too so that's my number two um and also my last one in ohio that's great thank you eric uh so my number one uh eric has strongly alluded to the fact that this is my number one uh but my number one is an american classic uh millennium force and this ride I recognize as so iconic. Um, it's a beautiful looking ride. Um, it changed things a lot for the world of coasters. Um, it changed things a lot for Cedar Point, I believe, too. Um, but uh, for me, Millennium um, is really fun to look at. It's really cool to have the like ability to say that you've rode Millennium. But I think after the first drop and that first turnaround, the ride is like pretty forceless. Like it, 
I've heard it thrown out like Millennium Forceless. I that is a hundred percent true on that ride past the first turnaround. There's really not much airtime in the ride. There's a little bit on those two hills. The best airtime I think is on that little pop as you're heading back towards the, you're like running right by the station in the totally. queue line. But you know, overall, it's just like it's a ride that like is so fast and fun, but like not super forceful or anything like it doesn't it doesn't la- leave like a super lasting impression on me um like some of the other rides that cedar point does specifically maverick steel vengeance uh, now um you know there's just like i think millennium i'm always surprised when we we see coaster rankings coming out and millennium is like one or two yeah i'm always surprised by that because i'm like yeah totally. i, I to me, like Fury, three twenty five looks like everything I wish Millennium was, which is like hard turns low to the ground with pops of airtime. Like that is kind of like where I wish Millennium was. So you could almost say that Intimidator three hundred five is what I wish Millennium was. Um, in a lot of ways, that's true. I think Intimidator three hundred five is a better ride than Millennium. Totally, totally. It's um. It's a classic. You got to say it's a classic. Um, okay, I'm excited for my number one, because especially because it's something that you had on um, your top five underrated last week. Um, and I think it's hilarious how wrong you are on this. And I, I actually can't believe somebody can interpret this ride so incorrectly. But um, my number one is the Incredible Hulk at um, Universal Islands of Adventure. Um, the original B and M some would say, and man, like it probably was built in the forties, but (laughs) it is like one of let's like just take out the launch really good novel element. The second best part of the ride other than the launch is the queue line. It Um, does have a really, really great queue line. It is like fun to look at. Q line is pretty awesome. Like I guess it's crazy to spend that much money on a Q line and still put out just an average ride. But um, I mean, it has a horrible B and M rattle, um, and I think that it is like I got off it and had no desire to get back in line or ride it again. And it was only like a fifteen minute wait. We like just moved on because I was like, that is just not just not my thing. I hurt my head and I don't even remember I don't even remember where we went. Yeah, what was it in the back half of the ride? Yeah, the back half of the ride. Yeah, there's one moment that is really a headbanger moment on that ride on the back half. Yeah. Just, man, it's just like I know you think it's underrated, but like man, there's it's probably balances out to be evenly rated because of the difference of how we view that ride. So that's nine number one. I do think though that the GP loves the Incredible Hulk. I think a lot of people really, really like that ride, and I can't tell you how many people I've met that I talked to. They're like, "Have you read the Hulk at Islands of Adventure?" So it, it, I think it's a super, super fun ride. But I can understand also uh, if, as a coaster enthusiast, why uh, it wouldn't be something you're super pumped about. So we kind of wanted to end our hot take section today just uh, by taking some time to highlight um, moms 
And the reason we're doing this is Mother's Day was this past weekend, and we wanted to just take some time on the show to um, talk about our moms and their influence on us uh, with Parks and what they did to kind of uh, be a part of that story. Um, I think mine was a little bit more of the story than Eric's, but um, yeah, so for me, my mom, um, she was really awesome growing up. She knew I was really obsessed with coasters, so she actually dropped me off to Kings Island like every Wednesday for like two or three summers in a row with my best friend and we would just go ride coasters for a day and um just do that and so I just always was remember her doing that and then uh probably even cooler of her she at one point um and this is still back in the Paramount days of of Kings Island but um we they're throwing an event called um Beast Buzz um, which is kind of like a precursor to some of the events they have going on now for enthusiasts and stuff. Um, and the whole thing was just kind of like behind the scenes tour. Uh, I think like lunch was included. And then they also had some like exclusive ride times. And then we also got to hear from some of the creators of the beast. Um, I believe at the time the beast was celebrating 25 years of being around or was it 20? No, it was 25 years. Yeah. And so, um, she decided to take me on this and I think, I don't even think I realized at the time how much (laughs) my mom was going into something that was like, like it was like me, her, and then mostly, um, a bunch of coaster enthusiast men. Um, and so just for her to go do that for me was just pretty cool. Um, and so I was impressed by that. And you could just tell she's going out of her way to, to love on a passion of mine. So, um, and then she also encouraged me to get a job in the parks and stuff. So yeah, she's, she did awesome Dude, with all that stuff. Your mom's like pretty cool for doing that. <laughs> yeah. I raising can't really a coaster imagine nerd. that being the case on my end. Yeah. My really mom's awesome. really cool, but she, I don't know if she would do any of the things you just described. Um, that's, that's pretty awesome. It's like really cool. We, uh, the only memory I have with my mom growing up and on like going to parks, like she normally just would sit, you know. But I do remember riding, um, like the Cedar Creek mine ride with her when I was like a little kid. I think maybe no, it wasn't the Cedar Creek mine ride. It was, um, I was gonna say because I just rode that. It, it was, um, it was, um, Maybe Woodstock Express. Yeah, it was Woodstock Express. And I remember, like, my mom, like, she, like trying to convince my mom to go on it with me. I was just a little kid. And I remember hearing my mom cuss for the first time. And she, like, dug her fingernails into my arm. She kept saying how much she didn't like this. She's like, you said this wasn't going to be scary. And then when we were going down, like, the hill, she was just like, shit. She was like, shit, shit, shit. And I was just like, Mom, I was like, what the heck? I was like, this is hilarious. Like, the five-year-old girl in front of us was, like, laughing and, like, having a ball with her mom. And my mom was just, like, losing her mind. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. So that's, like, how I remember it with my with my mom growing up. Vastly different experiences, for sure. Vastly that's uh that's pretty amazing though i i always think uh the first time you hear your parents 
curse is, is one of the funniest things in the entire world. I wish we could all document that. Yeah, that happy Mother's Day, Mom. Sorry for just exposing you, but I had to do it. So uh, speaking of moms. Yes, yeah, so today uh, I thought it'd be fun to um, have my mom hop on the podcast and kind of serve in our GP section um, and just give us a little bit of her history with roller coasters. She's she's borderline not even GP because she loves roller coasters so much, but she doesn't know them um, quite as well as I do. Um, but she she has a lot of backstories with the coasters and stuff. So so please welcome my mom to the GP section of the show here on Coaster Dads. Oh my God, I love roller coasters. Everybody, uh, so our guest today is my sweet mother, Ellen Powers. Um, so we are going to chat with her a little bit in our GP section about raising a coaster dad um, and all the fun little things that happen along the way with that. Uh, first off, Mom, uh, did you ever think you'd actually raise a coaster dad? Yes, actually I did. Um, when you were little, there was notebooks, spiral notebooks filled with designs of roller coasters because that's what you thought you were going to be when you grew up was a mm. roller coaster designer. Yep. And then I started to get C's and D's and, and uh, math and science and those dreams uh, went out the window a little bit. But you can still have a podcast when you're not good at math. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so tons of little diagrams for me when I was little and stuff. Um, my mom also was really awesome about, um, events. We talked a little bit early on the podcast. Um, she took me to like a coaster event one time. I remember took time out of like her week to go do that. Um, and we always, I felt like planned vacations a little bit around potentially being able to go to a park if we were nearby a park or something. Um, so much to my dad's dismay, I think probably, but, um, yeah, so she was really awesome about those things. Uh, today, we want to talk to my mom a little bit about what some of her favorite rides were, um, favorite experiences, maybe some of their favorite memories of going to parks with us growing up. Um, so the first question we have for your mom is, what is your favorite ride? That one is easy. My all-time favorite ride is The Beast. That's... Um, interesting because we just got done talking about the most overranked coasters in the world and the beast made the list wow which yeah i know um surprisingly on both lists because i acknowledge the fact that the beast compared to a lot of modern day coasters is like mild compared to like a lot of modern day coasters but um i also said it's still my sentimental number one wood coaster in the world so um, yeah, that double helix, you can't beat it. I know. That's we great. did talk about that. Both of us talked That's about hard. how great the ending is. Yes. Um, Eric just put, <laughs> pointed out that by the time he's climbing the second lift hill, he's just thinking about what he wants for lunch. So, um, <laughs> because it's such a long ride. So, it is. Um, um, yeah, that's talk to us a little bit. One of my favorite things is how you used to talk about like when the beast first opened, like, how crazy the lines were at Kings Island about it. Cause like, I feel like we haven't really seen that since then, but like you used to say like the line would be like out to the Eiffel tower, like on a regular basis. Oh the, yeah. The line. Well, and they've changed the, the station a couple different times over the years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From, but from the, the very beginning. Um, but yeah, it, 
it went through, it zigzagged, and then it went out past the arcade, past Rivertown, um, and down mm-hmm. the walkways, all the way actually over into, um, well, what is where Italian Job and all that was at one time. Yeah. But yeah, that's how yeah. they kind of snaked the line. But mm-hmm. yeah, it used to be. And we would wait crazy. it. Jeez, it's crazy. But at the time, I guess, like, the only big rides there, though, were pretty much the Beast, and I guess Racer was there. Um, yeah, so I guess that was probably the main draw. So, um, so uh, what's, like, um, some of your favorite memories in parks that you have in parks yeah like um is there like something that sticks out to you that you're like oh this is like something that was like super fun whether it's us as a family or you as a teenager going to the parks well um i actually remember king's island in the early early days um Mm -hmm. with you know the cars and the Mm -hmm. uh aerial tram thing and the tram Mm -hmm. and the safari Mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. um i I will share this this is uh as a child my mom and dad would take me every summer like one once a summer and Mm -hmm. my my dad hated it hated being there so he literally would sit under the eiffel tower and people watch while (laughs) mom walked with me and let me go ride my rides so that that's a memory that's like ingrained in me um but just uh, the racer we love the racer um Mm -hmm. and then as a teenager i had a season pass and me and my best friend vicky we went Mm -hmm. all the time um Mm -hmm. and that was in the days that they first turned the uh, car around for the backwards racer too so that was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. yeah that was a that was a big deal back then and Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and I don't even know, do they still do as many of the actual races with the cars as they no, used to not as much anymore? Yeah. I feel like it's pretty uncommon actually to see them racing. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, they used to do that a lot. So, I mean, it was just, just so much fun. Vortex. Mm-hmm. It was always an ear killer from the very beginning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> till the day it died. Yes. It was an ear killer. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, yeah. But, um, I was one of the few that got to ride the bat back in the day. Wow, that's like legendary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many articles out there about that ride now. I feel like just like, I just, it's just got like an iconic status because of like, it was like there only like two years, like, and it barely ran in those two years, right? Like it was like so, such a short amount of time. So was it fun? Like, was it a good ride? Um, yeah, it was intimidating because, you know, standing roller coasters at the time were rare. Yeah, and the, and, like suspended. And the, yes. Yeah. And, and well, yeah. and you, you were, you didn't literally like sit, you kind of had that seat in between your legs and you were, it was a different, it was a whole different setup. And in fact, I don't even know if I've ever been on another ride like it. Yeah. Well, they changed a lot, I think, about like how that ride was designed from the time it opened to like when we got Top Gun, you know, at right. the park. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, oh, is and there... don't forget the Screaming Demon. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Do you know what that is, Eric? The Screaming Demon? No, that's why I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, there's like a. Uh, in the 70s i don't know if it was arrow there was like shuttle coasters like um but they were just like a single loop 
so this ride was like a single loop shuttle coaster that dropped down into the loop and then went up on another set of track and then you got off on the other side no right, Mom? no okay you came back you went backwards through the loop okay, again okay okay to the, to the yeah. station yeah but that was like a big de- it was the first looping coaster in the park right mm-hmm. like yes yeah, yeah. Huh. so that, that was, was a like big a huge deal, deal. yeah Screaming and you literally stuff. walked all the steps up the tower to get to the <laughs> station yeah because it had to be super high to make it through the loop yeah that's crazy yeah so um what's um so we always ask like is there a most embarrassing story at the parks for you for me gosh like for example me do you remember when i ran into that bench at cedar point and just completely thrashed my knee in the middle of cedar point that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, uh-huh. And just thrashed my knee because I was too obsessed watching Raptor go through its elements. <laughs> so. And then blood like crazy the rest of the day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay if you don't have anything, Mom. We'll just I can't think of... I mean, I was with like my friend Vicky coming off the screaming demons she puked on the steps on the way down but that was her not me yeah yeah. um did you guys run like did you like peace out of there uh like not call attention to yourselves because you just threw up everywhere no but the thing you got to remember they were the graded steps so it like was falling Uh, through the the (laughs) Uh. So, uh, did it get on other people? I don't think so. Okay, but yeah, it's fair. <laughs> That's um, if favorite uh snack or park food that you like love, um, back in the early days, Kings Island had fried mushrooms that were awesome. Huh. So that was my go-to every day that we were there. I, I would always make sure I had enough money to get my fried mushrooms. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, I wonder. I don't know if people would give it the same chance nowadays. There was a little yeah, stand I- right up to by uh, the Eiffel Tower as you mm-hmm. start over into actually really close to like the um, blue ice cream now. Oh really? Yeah. So right it, is it area. like? Was it? Was it where Chick Fil A is now? Like that? No, line? it was a freestanding. Okay. Um, okay. But mm-hmm. across from like International Show Place there and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted like, so with, <laughs> with raising me, um, I talked about earlier in the podcast. I talked a little bit about how every Wednesday you would like drop me off at the park for like multiple summers. Um, and then also just are you doing the coaster buzz thing with me? Um, like what, I mean, what made you want to do those things with me? <laughs> Cause they're like so nerdy. So, um, I mean, I, I love roller coasters. I mean, I still love mm-hmm. roller coasters to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a fun thing that I wanted to experience with you at the time because mm-hmm. you were really into mm-hmm. roller coasters. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've shared that, like, you loved roller coasters, but you were terrified to ride them till a, yeah. <laughs> a later age. <laughs> yep. Um, yes. But you had finally gotten over that fear and were really mm-hmm. wanting to experience it all. So, yeah, that was part of it. Yeah, yeah Eric, uh, Eric made fun of me on, on the podcast because we talked about I like got on to impress a girl and he's like, yeah, that great way to impress a girl. Like, Hey, you know who made this roller coaster? Um, <laughs> <sounds> like... <laughs> yeah. She's going to be um, super impressed. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's uh, it was, it was really like cool. I think Eric is funny. Eric hearing the story for the first time was like, that's really cool. That your mom did that. Um, yeah. It was really cool having, a mom that cared enough to go do those things so thank you mom for doing that that was really well, sweet it so. was fun but and it's super nerdy i also told eric i was like my, it was like my mom and like 90 percent like overweight dudes <laughs> like at the event like i felt like there was not that many females if i remember correctly right. at that nope. event <laughs> and, and yeah. one so, of the sure. things one of the things i remember about it were how competitive these overweight men were <laughs> at <laughs> trying to be the first in line or the first to get oh to some place well like, especially because the on, drop really? like in the mornings like they run to everything like it's insane Hilarious. so yeah <laughs> so well thanks mom for coming on coaster dads and hanging out with us for a bit um and sharing a little bit of uh, our lives growing up and thank you for being an awesome mom. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that um, heartwarming Mother's Day themed GP guest from my friend Chris and that is going to wrap up this week's edition of Coaster Dads. Um, hopefully in the near future some things will start to reopen and we will get to go and talk about reviews of our favorite coasters and um actually be able to dive in more depths here so guys thank you for being a part of this and uh, we got to go back to being dads so we got to go and we'll catch you next week Mm